0: My name is Eric, and I am actually the lead pastor at our Riverdale campus now, used to be the pastor here, and um, I get to come up here at least once a month to come up and, and, and teach and talk, and, and so I'm excited to be here with you guys today, and as Mike said earlier, I was a part of that team that won the golf tournament, along with our kids' church director's husband. Uh, there's some other people who aren't here, but we're hoping to win that again. <laughs> Soon. Anyways, uh, today we get to talk about uh, core values and I'm going to run back here and grab the clicker because I forgot to grab it. So thank you. We're talking about core values. Um, And if you don't know what core values are, core values are are principles, guiding principles for kind of the way we want to be, right? The things that we value most, like Uh, like families have values, right? In in my family, one of the things that I value uh, or we value is being on time, you know? That's one thing that my dad instilled in me as a young kid, because he has like, like anxiety, and so he would be to everything about 30 minutes early. Whenever we had to go to some kind of appointment or something, my dad was like, pacing back and forth while the family was getting ready, and there was plenty of time to get to where we needed to go, but he was so anxious to be on time that he was, like, rushing us out the door. We needed to be everywhere 30 minutes early. Now I'm that way, and I do that to my family, and now they suffer, but it is a good value. It's a good value to have. Another value that we have um, is doing what you say you're going to do, right, you say you're going to do the dishes, if you say you're going to be somewhere, if you say you're going to commit to something, then do it, right? That's integrity, right? Do you? And we're doing things a little bit different here today. We're sitting down, first of all, normally there's just one guy up here talking. Now we have two guys up here talking, and we're going to do things a little bit different today uh, because it's a holiday weekend, and I figured that it would be great to show everybody what it's like to have a conversation, right? Centered around the Bible, right? Because that's one of the things we value here at Alpine Church is being willing to have conversations with other people about biblical topics. I mean, that's one thing we challenge people to go do. And so sometimes people are kind of like scared of that, right? They're scared of Well, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the guy who knows it all, and so I don't know how to have a conversation with my coworker, with my neighbor, with my friend, with my family member, and so I'll just leave that up to the the high-level people in the church to be the guys that, you know, talk about the Bible, but we're going to show you through some of our resources, you know, how to have a conversation today. We'll model that as we talk about core values. Does your family have any core values at home? Um,
1: Well... Yeah, definitely being on time isn't one of our core values. Yeah. but um, <laughs> Being I, I late be- then. Being late. Yeah, that's a good. We're good at that. Yeah. Um, no, I would say uh, one thing that we've done that's been pretty good um, is modeled repentance apologies. Okay. Um, not immediately. It usually takes about half an hour, but <laughs> after that, we really tried to model that because... We feel like forgiveness is important. Jesus forgives all of us, and so if we can model that to our kids, I think that's a, a good core value to have in your home. So,
0: yeah. So you so you 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 value the idea of of people being um, honest, honest, humble. You know, willing to admit when they're wrong. Right. That's a great yeah. that's a great value to have. Right. And and so Which the church yeah. has core values as well. Um, Now, there's all kinds of values that a Christian or a Christian church, personally or corporately, so all these things will apply to us as a church and individually as a Christian, right? There's all kinds of values we ought to have, but we kind of picked five to talk about. There's actually a little poster out there if you want to know what our five core values are that we decided to kind of talk about throughout this series. It's out in the lobby but we're going to talk about some of the guiding principles that help us do what we do to help us be successful in our mission at Alpine Church. And, and, and so my next point that I want to go to with this is that everything we do in ministry is to advance our mission. What's our mission, Tim? Uh, to help others pursue God. Yeah, to help people pursue God. Simply put, you know organizations, businesses, churches, families, they all have these core values that drive what they do. And a mission statement is really to help us all be unified. Why do we exist? Why does the church exist? And so that's why we have this thing that's over here, over here, and you'll always see it. We have shirts that say it. It says helping people pursue God. That's why Alpine Church exists here in Utah, As we exist to help others pursue God the way that, you know, because we've had change in our lives and God has done an amazing work in our lives, now we want to go help others do the same thing. That's why we exist. And, and, and it looks like this broken out, a relationship with God in pursuing Him. It starts by trusting in Jesus and then it doesn't end there though. We, if you were here for our Galatians series, we believe that You are saved by faith in Jesus alone, not by doing works, not by joining a religion, but by trusting in Jesus for what he did by dying on the cross for our sins. That's what makes you right with God, and you join a relationship with him. You're going to heaven when you die, right? You are good with God if you do nothing else but trust Jesus, okay? But but the Bible tells us that that's not all a Christian life should look like. You don't just come to the first part of it and then never grow from there. So we say, it doesn't stop at trusting Jesus. Now we want to find out what honors God and, and do it, right? Look through His Word and, and, and see how to please God, and we do it. So we honor God with our lives. We don't just stop there even and try to gain as much knowledge and be as holy as we possibly can, but we also now turn around and if God's changed our lives, we want to go and make disciples. That's one of the, 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 the great commission, right? right? Like, what's the great commandment and the great commission of the Bible?
1: Um, yeah, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself is the great commandment. And the great commission is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost.
0: Nice. Nice. So. Nice.
1: So, yeah, I mean, we should, uh, if we are on the great, commi- great commandment totally, I mean, if we are loving God fully like that, I think we would immediately want to do the great commission. I mean, when you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul, you can't help but want to tell others about him, right? So
0: Yeah, and so as, as a church, we, we need to have some kind of clear values that lead us towards our mission, right? To remind each other, why do we do what we do? Why do we exist, and, and, and what are the things we ought to value to do the things that God wants us to do? And so our first value, we're going to get into it. Tim, do you want to read that for us?
1: Sure. Uh, we look to God and His Word in all that we do.
0: Yeah, it says the Bible guides us in our everyday lives, not just on Sunday. So that's our first core value. If we want to get our relationship with God right... Then we've got to look at his word because this is how he helps us to know him. It's through his word. We wouldn't know the history of God. We wouldn't know about Jesus if we didn't have the Bible, right? And so this is actually one of the core doctrines of Christianity is, is that we believe that the Bible was, was God's word literally breathed out for us, right? And we're going to get to that in just a moment, but that. Through this is how we should view the world, not through our own feelings, our opinions, our ideas. We should view the world and life through the Bible, and that's our point. Do you want to read that for us?
1: Uh, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do when we are right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work.
0: So right off the bat, what is that? the first couple of words in that s- sentence telling us about the Bible?
1: Well, it's telling us that God wrote it, that it was actually authored by Him. I mean, we, we tend to look at it um, from a secular perspective where we think that just because there was authors that God, the Holy Spirit, didn't write it. But it's too perfect for authors, for humans to have written it, right?
0: Yeah. So it is inspired by God. We'll get into what inspired by God means, but it's also useful to teach us, to correct us, to train us. It tells us what's wrong and right. And so if we're going to be a church, right, after God, pursuing God and helping other people pursue God, then the number one thing we ought to value the most is seeking out Him and His Word, right? We can't just make up what we do. Right? We can't just make up based on our own ideas, our own opinions, and our own feelings. How are we going to love God and love others and make disciples? How are we going to gather together? No, we've got to come and look at everything we do through the lens of Scripture and measure everything we do, not, and, and not just as a church. But if you claim to be a Christian, like this should be what you live based off of, right? Not off of your own feelings and your own ideas, and your experiences even, it's like, okay, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but, well, I do know about you. You about me? <laughs> you specifically, oh. and, and all of you, actually. <laughs> that, but, but for me, because I don't want to go out and judge you, you know, you guys can judge yourselves, but for <laughs> me, sometimes my feelings and my opinions don't line up with this, with God's word, right? Like. I want to I wanna do things that feel good, right, or things that make me happy, or I want to uh, do things my way, or the easy way, not the hard way sometimes, and, and so if, if I was a Christian and I, I continuously try to live that way and say, well, I know what God's Word says, but here's what makes me happy, here's what I want to do, then I'm not really being true to what I believe, right? I've got to value these words. And that's kind of our point is that, well, actually, there's a point. We're missing a point here. Oh, no, this is the point. We hold a biblical worldview, elevating God's truth above our own opinions or the trends of the culture. We recognize that this will be more radical with each generation, can you guys see that, how as we hold on and cling to these words um, and, and believe in them, it's going to be more radical that we believe these with every single generation. We're seeing this all the time, but tell us, Tim, Tim knows a lot about the Bible. That's why I asked him to come up here. Um, Hi. And, I don't and, know
1: that much. I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah, so okay, tell yeah.
0: us, <laughs> how old is the Bible? Uh, it's really old. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it was written over a period of 1,500 years. Yeah. So, uh, it would be thousands.
0: Thousands uh, of years old, yeah. right? Like the Old Testament, 3,000 years old. New Testament, 2,000 years old. Over 3,000 years old. And New yeah. Testament, 2,000 years old. And, and so, have you ever heard people say, I've heard this on the news. I've heard this from kind of the progressive side say, like... You Christians believe in something, some book that's like two and three thousand years old. Like, isn't it time to kind of update your beliefs and faiths and kind of, kind of get with the times, right? Get with the perspective, the way the world is going. But that is that right or is that wrong? Answer that. Yeah, right. But so, so who gets to decide what's right or wrong? Is it, is it the way the culture is moving, or is it something that's unchangeable, right? A timeless right. truth, even though it's thousands of years old? I think it's really cool that God wrote got all this down in a book, right? Yeah. Wasn't it cool when God wrote this all in a, he wrote this all, and then he just dropped it from heaven and it landed on Earth, and then men picked it up and they were like, Wow, this is God's word, right? Yeah, or it hit him in the head. I'm not sure. Is that how it <laughs> happened? <laughs> how, did, how did we get the Bible? How did we come to get the Bible?
1: Uh, well, it was written uh, by 40 authors, 66 books, written over you know, a period of 1,500 years, um, several yeah, different authors. And, and so, yeah, basically, um, we get it for people from authors.
0: Yeah. And, Sorry, yeah, bad. there's 40 different authors. There's 66 books in there. So what Bible actually means is library, right? It's a library of books, but yet they all tell this one giant story, and, and, and what's the story? What, what's the it about? The story is
1: about God. It's about his character. I mean, one of the tendencies, I think, uh, in our culture is to make uh, the Bible about us, and I think that's a, a bad, maybe even dangerous mm-hmm. way to look at the Bible because it centers around us. And, and for it to center around the character of God and how it relates to mankind is to put Jesus at the center because that's how he relates to mankind. So.
0: Yeah. And so as we cling to this to look for truths, it's going to be more and more radical as, uh, with new, each new generation. One example I, could, I will say, you know, is if you were with us in our anthropology series, we talked about, you know, the differences between men and women – um, the other is, is the, the sanctity of marriage, right? The sanctity of, of life, that every human being was created in God's image, and therefore uh, life is important, and that we ought to be fighting to save life, you know, that, that marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman for <laughs> life, and anything outside of that does not line up with God's word, and so... We will, as long as we keep this, our value, you know, life might get hard in some ways. But I will also say this, it will also make it easier in a lot of ways as well. Because when we go and we try to live our own way and follow our own opinions, our own ideas, and our own feelings, oftentimes the result of that is all kinds of consequences. You know, God knows us. He created us, and he created loving boundaries in which we ought to live, right? Like if you love your children, and you live next to this dangerous freeway, it would be a loving thing to do to put a gate around, around your yard, right? You're not restricting your kids from going out and playing, but you're putting a boundary around the yard so that they don't accidentally go and get ran over, right? And that's kind of the thing that God is doing in his word, is saying, look, I've created a way for you to know me, and I've created a way for you to live in, and in, in experience life, experience life to the full, Jesus said. Yeah. Um, and when we follow him, there is blessing, and when we don't, there's consequences, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, obedience leads to joy. I mean, there's a joy attached to um, but it's not an immediate thing. I mean, we, I tend to look at, like, the difference between salad and cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I eat salad for a month, I'm going to feel a lot better. But that's I can't walk true. past cupcakes without eating them, too. So
0: That's that's true. That's That's actually a great analogy because I just...
1: It works more like nutrition. I just went I to
0: Crumble Cookie last night, and I felt <laughs> terrible about it, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, you know, maybe next time I'll eat the salad. Did you bring me one? No, I didn't. <laughs> because I ate them all. <laughs> but that kind of leads to our second point, though. Will you read that? Read our second point for us. We submit to the
1: Bible as the authoritative voice in our everyday lives. We recognize that true believers must come to God on his terms, not, our own, not on their
0: terms or their own. Well, there's that. That terrible word that is so outdated, submit, right? We don't want to do that. It sounds like a bad word, right? I mean, um, my favorite Bible verse, you know, is, is uh, wives submit to your husbands, and she doesn't <laughs> like that verse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She lets you submit as
1: long as she makes the rules?
0: You know, here's the <laughs> just thing. Just we shouldn't just submit to anything or anyone. Uh, here's what I think. I think that the only person that is worth submitting to is one who is submitted to God, okay? That's good. Right, somebody submitted to God is worth submitting to, right? There's a chain of, of a, God created a hierarchical authority, right? Like he, he did put p- people in positions of power and, and, and dignity and to govern and rule and to, to lead, right? And so there is a biblical Submissiveness or a bib- biblical submission, um, but you have to be worth submitting to. And so, when would it be wrong to submit to someone? Yeah,
1: I, yeah. Even the Trinity is in submission to itself. It's yeah. God the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Right? They give each other. So, um, submission and authority is just woven into the fabric. I mean, of who we are. Everybody is under submission. And so, I mean, even the president, right? I mean, he doesn't make any decisions, does he? I don't know. I don't think he does.
0: <laughs> let's not talk about I don't want yeah, to get into that too Sorry. much farther.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's why I think, you know, Jesus models it by washing the disciples' feet. He's trying to model this heartfelt, submissive behavior, right? Because the Bible also talks about um, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And what did Christ do for the church? Died, died he, for it. He died, yeah, right, and so. So he
0: gave up his life. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So as as heads uh, of the households, it means we get to die a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially That's if you live with five women. Yeah. <laughs> so not That's, me, other people.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk to your wife afterward and see how good you I'm are. I'm gonna go. I'm
1: gonna go out the back door. At dying,
0: <laughs> for her, um, laying your life down. Um, but yeah, I mean, so does this mean that? So this is the, the idea is, is if someone isn't submitted to God and they're asking us to do things that are outside of this book, that go against God's word, then we should not submit to those things, right? We yeah. shouldn't submit to someone asking us to do something that is against God's word, right? And I know a lot of us are conditioned. I think there are two types of people in the world. Um, and it's kind of a personality thing. There's rule followers and rule breakers, right? And some people just grow up naturally. Like my wife yesterday, I parked over at USU uh, because they have this new Aggie ice cream, and I'm like, I want to try that, right? Never tried it. Is it good? Have you guys tried the Aggie ice cream? Well, I parked, (laughs) there's nobody in the parking lot whatsoever, and I parked in a handicap stall, and my wife was like, We can't park here. And I'm like, this is, there's nobody here. (laughs) You know, so she's the rule follower. She keeps me in line. And I'm kind of the naturally go against rules type of a person. Now, both of them, I mean, you know, like neither one is wrong or right, except for when it comes to God's word. We ought to try to follow him, right, and not go against him. But when it comes to other things, right, it's kind of subjective, what we follow and what we don't. Um, but we've got to seek out God's Word to find out what will we submit to, and and certainly this is the first thing, the authority of the Bible. What does it mean that God's Word has authority?
1: Well, I think that it would mean that it stands over everything in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to submit to it, uh, not just our feelings. We were talking about that earlier that uh, one of the common cliches now is live your truth. Mm. And we don't believe that. We believe that the truth isn't inside us, right? It's not a feeling. It's fixed. It's it's through His Word because it is His Word. I mean, we say it's God's Word like a cliche, but do we really believe that it's God's Word? I mean, are we willing to yeah. submit to its authority and test the way that we feel or our behaviors or um, or our obedience to it?
0: Yeah. And if God is the ultimate authority, He's also... The, then, then he's also the author of his word. And so the word, this book, the Bible, carries authority of because who the author is. The author is God. That leads us to our next verse here. Can you read that for us?
1: Yeah. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from
0: God. So that's saying right there that, you know, as he said before, there are 40 different authors, 66 books. So God used men to write these scriptures down and be collected for us to be compiled to be the Bible that we have today. But what it's saying is it wasn't from their own understanding. It was from the Holy Spirit carried them along as they wrote these scriptures, and so that goes back to this doctrine that we believe one of the core doctrines of Christianity is the Bible is inerrant, it's infallible, and it's sufficient. And that means that in its original manuscripts, when they were first written down, there were no errors in it because they were, they were carried about by the Holy Spirit to write all this stuff down. But, and so, so does that mean that there are a bunch of errors in our Bible today?
1: No, uh, we have, I mean, we have manuscripts all the way up into, I think it's about 100, 120 AD. And like the last book of the Bible that was written is about 90. So we don't have the originals because of the sort of papyrus that they originally wrote them on mm-hmm. um, deteriorates, but we have very close, like within 30 or 40 years and they can actually track um, some people, like if you watch the Da Vinci Code and how they, um, they try to say that there's these new people and they changed scripture. If you really look, you c- they can track how it's actually went throughout history based on uh, letters and other documents and even outside sources um, from secular Authors like Josephus and
0: Taffetis and people like that. Yeah, and so there's a high percentage of accuracy from what we have of thousands upon thousands of manuscripts that date all the way back to almost the first century.
1: Yeah, even the Bible we're reading now is fairly accurate. Yeah, I mean, people really get hung up on translations, but mm-hmm. um, it's they're all within about 90, 96% accuracy. So. Yeah,
0: and so the only things that you might, you know, there are some different translations that you know, say things a different way or whatever, and, you know, you can have a conversation about that in in a small group or with your mentor, ask about that on Pursue God. There's some topics about translations in the Bible, but, um, you know, that is the best way to try to attack the Christian faith is to say, to get rid of the doctrine that, no, the Bible does have errors And that it is interpreted incorrectly in different areas. If you attack the foundation of our faith in the truth, then all of a sudden you can make up whatever you want, right? All of a sudden you can say there's new prophets out there and they're saying new things. And if it doesn't align with what he's saying, then that's where it's mistranslated and all that type of stuff. And and so that's where we have to be careful and say, no, we stand on God's word. This is truth. It is inerrant. It's infallible. So even the questions that arise, like are there are there things that contradict itself in the Bible, right? Are there things that uh, would make it not pass the test of scrutiny? And the answer is no. The Bible has been scrutinized for the last several thousands of years. People have been trying to disprove the Bible and its accuracy. They've been trying to... Um, you know, say that stories were made up, but there's all kinds of archaeological digs that are continuously going on. Nobody can disprove the Bible. It will never happen. But what happens over time is we will continue to find out that there's more evidence to support the Bible than ever. Now, there's other religious books out there that can't stand the test of time or scrutiny, but the Bible can. And so if it carries this much authority then we ought to be willing to, as we said before, submit to it. But we're going to get to our last point. Will you read that?
1: Uh, We commit to a personal pursuit of God through His Word, not just an intellectual pursuit. We recognize that even the Bible can become an idol if not handled correctly.
0: What What does that mean?
1: Um, Well, it just means that we can actually elevate uh, the Bible as an idol right if we're not looking to it like it's from god it can become an idol so it can we can um well what it does is it creates um arrogance yeah intellectual arrogance like an intellectual idolatry i feel like
0: and i think i i would i would be honest and say that there are a lot of christian circles out there and churches and people that they elevate like this this idea of if you're really good at Bible trivia, that's the guy that has all the answers. We're going to follow him. He must be really holy, right? Yeah. He must be the guy, right? And, and I'll even admit in my own life, you know, as I was coming up and wanting to know more and I wanted to be a teacher and a pastor, like sometimes I would come to the Bible with, uh, well, I, I got to prepare for this small group this week or whatever. And, and I would like, how am I going to wow them? With, with like a, a theological nugget, right? Yeah. N- not to be confused with McDonald's chicken nuggets. Yeah, I don't.
1: Uh, th- they're not very, hel- they're not healthy. Yeah, it goes salads. back to the salad thing. But yeah. McDonald's <laughs> salads
0: are bad too. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, maybe you can relate to the same thing. There's b- this idolatry of be- being a spiritual intellectual like knowing yeah. everything I,
1: I remember actually going to Bible studies and preparing just to try to butcher the teacher in mm. any any way I could do it and uh, yeah it's uh, it was ruthless and I can tell you uh, after I never felt uh, great and in a lot of and we all do this in certain ways, maybe not as bad as I did it, but um, if we think about like us trying to to be smarter, like who are we trying to impress mm. because um God doesn't care. Uh, We should be all just kind of wrapped around the idea that we uh, don't know some stuff about the Bible. We all have sin and we're all trying to pursue God together. And so some of the best way that we can do that is community and realizing that um, people are going to know things that we don't know. And we should we should be just okay with that, because, I mean, I think a lot of times we actually stunt our own growth when it comes to biblical knowledge. When we pursue it that way, because we can't we don't allow people around us to speak into our
0: lives. Yeah, and I I think there's a threefold approach to knowing God, right? So it is the Bible, God's Word, but there's also God's spirit and God's people. Okay? So we know about all these things through God's Word, but God gives us a spirit, His Word living in us, inside of us, right? His His law and His love and His His nature comes to live inside a person who trusts in Jesus, and now we can be moved. Right? And, and, and he puts us things on our heart, right? He speaks to us through the Spirit, right? And, so, and, and in prayer, uh, we talk to God through prayer. He talks to us in prayer, not audibly, hopefully, uh, you know, but, but he, he, he moves us that way, right? And so God's Spirit can direct us and move us and shape us and help us grow closer to him, but it's also God's people. That's what the church, again, is here for. Like we gather together. Uh, to, to learn about God's Word together and to hold each other accountable really to it, right? Like, we you know, if, if we were lone rangers out there and like, oh, I read the Bible by myself, but I don't really want people in my life. It's like, I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of those people and they go off into weird little things, right, where they don't want to come under as the second point, under the submission of biblical leaders, people who are w- wanting to follow and submit to God's Word, those people get kind of weird, I mean, just to be honest with you. The people that go off on, without authority, without accountability, without a church, they kind of get weird in their theology, and yeah. so that's why we're called to be together. Here's a wonderful scripture for us to, to remember. This is Jesus saying this. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you, you refuse to come to me to receive this life, what's going on here?
1: Um, well, I mean, the so what. Well, what's happening here is the um, it's the healing pool scripture. So basically, what's happening is they're chastising Jesus for healing on a Sabbath, and za- and Jesus is pointing out the fact that it's not really about the words on the page, more about the God behind it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and they would have had. Uh, large portions or even the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible memorized. And so they know the Bible better than all of us. But Mm -hmm. they missed that it was about Jesus, that it's about treasuring him first.
0: Yeah, so Jesus is calling out the religious people of of his day. He's basically saying, you have those books memorized, but yet you fail to see that it's pointing to me. And that's what this book is all about. All the 40 different authors, 66 books written over 1,500 years, you know, all of this is pointing to Jesus. It's the the love story of God. Humans fell at the beginning when God created humanity. They decided to go their own way and believe and trust in their own opinions and their own ideas. And they fell from God And God wanted to win his people back. He wanted to redeem them. And so from the beginning of this book, it starts the plan of redemption of humanity. And it's all pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. God elevates his son in this book. And Jesus is who we should be pulling out of it for our lives. Okay? And so maybe you're here today and it's the first time you're hearing about the Bible and maybe it's the first time you've ever looked at the Bible. Instead of a book of rules, you're seeing, okay, it's about love. It's about God who wants to, like a father, love his children. He sent his son to die for us so that we could be made right with him, like that we could that we could be in community with him, that he would put his spirit in us. If that's you here today, we would love to talk with you and to pray more about Uh, pray with you about what that means for your life and and if you're here today and you're like I you know this should be a value because I am a Christian um, but I haven't really been making it a value or a priority in my life well that's why the church is here let us love on you let us get you connected in the right group or with the right people so that you can grow closer to God and love him as he loves you let's pray Dear Lord, we, we do just love you and thank you, God, that you uh, didn't leave us here alone to just to be stuck in our sin and our stubbornness and our selfishness, but you created a way and made a way for us to know you through your word. And your word ultimately tells us about how you designed a way to be forgiven. For us to know you, and that was through your son. You sent your son to be like one of us, fulfilling all the law and the scriptures, being perfect. He died on the cross, and the Bible says that anybody who trusts and believes in him can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We thank you for that, God, and we pray that that would be the central message and theme that always comes out of everything that we do here at this church, that it would be the theme of our values, of our mission. God, and everybody here personally that they would come to know you and be challenged to know you and live for you. God, help us to do that as a church. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. We lift today up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.